If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your private health insurance plan, you can keep your plan, period. If you are among the hundreds of millions of Americans who already have health insurance through your job, or Medicare, or Medicaid, or the VA, nothing in this plan will require you or your employer to change the coverage of the doctor you have. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. This is America's Healthcare Challenge on News Talk 1290, News Talk 1290KOIL.com, and the News Talk 1290 mobile app. America's Healthcare Challenge is produced and sponsored by E.D. Bellis. Now, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Hey, welcome, my friends, to America's Healthcare Challenge. Back for another week talking to you about all of the news and healthcare and reporting on some of the important uh, stories and concepts that are out there in healthcare. And we've got another fantastic show lined up for you. If you wanted to catch our, our episode last week, make sure to check out the Facebook page, Facebook page, facebook.com slash America's Healthcare Challenge. And coming up this week, we've got part five of our ongoing benefit series, helping you uh, make the decisions that you need that, that are coming up here in the future. And we've got uh, a really uh, interesting show lined up for you as I'm looking at uh, the outline that we've got prepared. It's, it's going to be awesome. So let's take a moment to just get right down into it. Joining us here on the program is Stuart Sloan, president of SIG Consulting, a contributor here on the show. Stuart, how are you doing today? I'm great, Sean. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm really excited about this show, Stuart. It's uh, it's some stuff that uh, really has a lot of meat to it today. So uh, the listeners should uh, get comfortable and uh, and listen to some of the things we want to talk about. And I want to begin, Stuart, w- with an issue that we've talked about on the show before, uh, mainly uh, aging and the number of 10,000 individuals every day going on Medicare, something that's not really brought into the discussion uh, much uh lately has been life expectancies and what other measurements uh, are there uh, with regards to that uh, because I think that has huge implications for the, the financial sustainability of Medicare. Uh, why don't we just begin there and uh, and I'm going to pose the first question, are we coming to the end of the line? Yeah, <clears throat> it's a very good question and, and many people feel that way. Uh, you know, life expectancy in the U.S. Is, since the 1960s has been getting larger and larger and larger and larger. Those uh, improvements have slowed really dramatically in the last couple of years, and, and many people are wondering, have we gotten to the end of the line, you know, the point that you just posed. Um, this steady decline uh, is caused by, you know, a lot of things, uh, you know, a decline in, in heart disease, uh, the battery of tests that are readily available to people, you know, some take as much as five hours to try and, and come up with, uh, you know, a, a disease if, if, it's, uh, if it's apparent. National trends in heart disease and stroke are, are still something to deal with. People have stopped smoking. They're taking drugs to control, you know, their blood pressure and cholesterol. But the greater cause of cardiovascular deaths is, is the epidemic we're dealing right now, which is obesity. Yes. It's a major problem. Uh, it affects rising blood pressure, cholesterol levels, the risk of diabetes. All those things put us at re- risk for heart disease and stroke. It gets much, much worse if left, you know, uh, untreated. And so the burden of obesity in this country, by 2030, it's expected that it, it would have cost us about $800 billion a year. That's a lot of money, Sean. Oh, That's man. a lot of people. Well, and it, it's coming as we have uh, fast food drive-throughs go into two lanes now. Doesn't look like it's going to be good in the future if we don't uh, change some behaviors there. It's true. It's true. Uh, right. People so, realize that the great gains that we made in the 20th century potentially are vulnerable to the kind of things that, that we're talking about now that go wrong. Obesity is a slow-moving epidemic. A lot of people don't have their eye on the ball when it comes to this. The possibility, uh, you know, to reduce uh, heart disease, eliminating smoking, controlling blood pressure and cholesterol, uh, and also hearing tests are added to this list. Really? It's the next potential big ec- epidemic in this country leading to dementia. You know, memory loss can be hastened by failing hearing, uh, and it can be caused by degenerative uh, neurons, as in the case of Alzheimer's, 
And it also can be triggered uh, what causes heart disease, you know, the clog and the hardening of the arteries. So really, all these things we're talking about really require the folks that are listening to us to don't, you know, don't, uh, you know, short themselves as far as treatment is concerned. If they see some of these signs, you know, go get it, you know, taken care of and looked at. Because it's going to be much better for them in the long term, and it's going to be a lot less, more cost-effective to catch these things on the, sure. on the beginning, right? In, in that first uh, segment here, Sean, also the birth rate mm-hmm. uh, has, has uh, slightly fallen, uh, you know, due to, uh, to deaths. Uh, the U.S. births declined and the death rate rose last year. The first time in many, many years we've seen this. So p- the preliminary numbers that show that 3.98 million births in the U.S. Uh, last year, that was down almost 3% from the prior years. And the data shows a sharp drop in births amongst teens is down 64% from their high point in 1991. But the U.S. death rate rose for the first time since 2005. You know, this is a scary, you know, trend that we have to, you know, watch for, uh, you know, carefully. Some of this is attributed wow. to deaths from stroke and Alzheimer's disease uh, also contributed to this. Well, let's uh, boil that down for the listeners why this is so important. It's it, when you look at these programs like Medicare, they're financed by younger workers paying in through payroll taxes. And if we were, we're essentially having more people aging and, and dying and um, using care, I've heard a statistic that on a Medicare beneficiary, the, the majority of that spending is done in the last year or two of their lives. Um, we, we don't know if we have enough people <laughs> that are going to be able to finance this thing in 20 years, do we? Yeah, good. <clears throat> That's a very good point. And again, we're focusing on folks that are under 65, you know, for this for today's show. So there's other things that, uh, you know, that are really shocking here. The rate of women who died during pregnancy or shortly after childbirth uh, has fallen sharply in, in many of the countries. The U.S., unfortunately, uh, is a glaring exception. We've had a, a, a rise in that problem, hmm. and, and some people attribute this to the ACA, uh, you know, where health insurance is available, but millions of people cannot afford the care that they need. And these, these uh, situations uh, occur when there's severe economic distress. So we're coming off the biggest, you know, recession uh, in, in a half a century. The big, biggest killers during and after, uh, you know, pregnancy are cardiac problems uh, and also overdoses uh, involving uh, prescription, uh, you know, opioids and illegal drugs. That's that, affected, you know, the deaths here. Oh, yeah, and that, that's, a, that's a whole other topic for another program. Uh, that, that issue you just identified. And you brought up the Affordable Care Act. Um, does that Obviously, the 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 goal of the law was to get more people access to to health insurance and drive down the rate of uninsured. Uh, where are we with that? Well, that's a good point. On a net basis this year, we're at eight point six percent of folks uh, in in our you know uh, 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 in the U.S. economy mm-hmm. that do not have health insurance. Um, that translates into 27.3 million uh, people who lacked medical insurance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with premiums continue to rise uh, until the number of enrollees changed significantly with more young and healthy individuals signing up for coverage, you know, those numbers are not going to come down any farther than what they are. And I think you have to look at that 27.3 million people who lacked health insurance. Mm-hmm. We started out before the the ACA law was passed in 2010 with a potential audience of 32 million. So I guess the real question here to your point, Sean, is have we really made much progress? I, I don't know if we have. Do you think we have? I don't think we've made very much. Yeah. You know, on a net basis this year, uh, 9.7 million people uh, you know, have health insurance as a result of the of, of the ACA. That's on a net basis. So, in other words, the figure was higher, was 12 million. But after those folks used the system, paid their premium, and they dropped out of the system, the net 
for the 2016 enrollment year for for the ACA was a net of of, of you know 9.7 uh, million people. So again, you know, it begs the question: how much uh, how much uh, advantage you know have we had from the law? And I think um, obviously 2017 is going to be a, a, a critical year. We'll find out pretty soon, don't you think? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and. We sounded like a, a broken record talking about that, but we've we've reported on this show many times about how 2017 is going to be a busy year. Let's um, move to the next uh, topic, which is uh, something that's really interesting, and I'd like to uh, commend uh, the university here. They're just about to open their uh, world-renowned cancer center. It's going to be called the Fred and Pamela Buffett Cancer Center just down the street and um, let's take a look at that issue because that's something that is affecting every single person listening to the audience either uh, them personally or they might know somebody uh, how are we with cancer spending and outcomes right now well it's it's a very important topic area uh, cancer mortality rate was slightly lower uh, than in than in other countries uh, amongst cancer, uh, lung cancer is the largest contributor to disease for both men and women. The United States spent $124 billion to treat cancer last year. And this accounted for about 7% of the nation's disease-based health expenses. And, and cancer medications uh, were among the top three specialty drug spending last year behind medications for inflammatory uh, conditions and multiple sclerosis. And there's varying types of cancers that, that folks, uh, you know, are aware of either uh, themselves or family members. Uh, female breast cancer is, is the, the top one. Prostate, uh, lung and bronchus, colon and rectum, corpus and uterus, melanomas of the skin, urinary bladder, non-Hodgkin lymphoma, kidney and renal uh, pelvis, and also thyroid cancers. So this year... It's estimated that 1.6 million people uh, will be newly diagnosed in the U.S. as having cancer. And about 600,000 people will die from this disease this year. Wow. Wow. Has there been much progress over the last 10 years? Well, there has been. You know, uh, we've been somewhat successful in getting people to stop smoking uh, and, and, and try other preventive and wellness, you know, programs to try and rid their cancer or get treatment. Mm -hmm. uh, but cancer, the number of people living beyond a cancer diagnosis reached nearly 14.5 million people last year, and this is expected to rise almost to 19 million by 2024. Approximately 39.6% of men and women will be diagnosed with cancer at some point during their lifetimes. Wow, interesting stuff. Um, any other th uh, topic uh, things on this topic, Stuart? Because I want to keep us on schedule. We're yeah. up against the timeout. Just a final thought here: mm -hmm. uh, national expenditures for cancer care in the in the in the United States totaled nearly 125 billion last year, and this could reach 156 billion by 2020. So here we are, you know, coming uh, towards the last quarter of, of 2016. That's not a big stretch, Sean. And yet, look at the expenses here. Well, and the the point that you brought up, Stuart, that caught my attention was um, how it's been specialty, or how they're, they're, uh, those drugs, uh, they're related to the specialty drugs, excuse me, mm -hmm. um, and how uh, expensive that is coming just off of uh, what we've been visiting about and reporting on this show recently yeah. uh, with rising uh, specialty drug costs. So mm -hmm. let's take a time out here on America's Healthcare Challenge. 402-342-1290. We're talking about, uh, we're focusing on individuals under 65 this week, but we're looking at some really big picture issues. We've been looking at life expectancy and cancer spending this segment. Coming up next segment, we're going to be looking at some stuff that's really important that you need to be aware of, hidden plan exclusions. Stuart is an expert on, on that issue, and, and uh, it's going to be something that uh, is important for you to know because it could affect that thing that's in your back pocket. Uh, yeah, your wallet. Uh, health care costs are going up, and uh, we're going to report on mental health care costs as well coming up here on the show. 402-342-1290 is the number again, and my name is Sean McGuire, and I will be right back with Stuart Sonnen.
Research shows moving is one of the most stressful events in a person's life. But thanks to two men in a truck, it doesn't have to be. They have everything you need to move. A courteous professional staff who will customize your move, which includes a no-obligation estimate, a schedule to fit your convenience, and all the necessary packing supplies. And two men in a truck will help you watch your budget, too. Don't stress. Let two men in a truck handle your home or business move. Go to twomenandatruck.com. Two men in a truck selected Best of Omaha for nine years straight with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Hiring employees, complying with regulatory changes, and so on makes it hard to focus on running your business. Let Simplify HR Solutions help. We're an outsourced human resource management organization with more than a century of combined experience helping people just like you. Click SimplifyHRSolutions.com to learn more. You worked hard, scraped and saved for years, and thought you had everything figured out for retirement. Now you're looking at higher premiums, health care costs, and uncertainty with your doctor. Let Ed Bellis help you solve this problem and find the right program for you. Go to edbellisinc.com and request a free consultation. At Ed Bellis, we know health care. Take control of your company's health care costs with self-funded plan administrators. If you're feeling the pain of Obamacare, we have innovative solutions for your organization. Click self-funded.com to learn more and sign up for our exclusive white paper to take control of your company's health care costs. You are listening to America's Health Care Challenge on News Talk 1290, News Talk 1290KOIL.com, and the News Talk 1290 mobile app. Once again, here's Sean McGuire. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. 402-342-1290 if you have any questions for us at any point. This topic is going to be something that you're going to want to pay attention to, so listen up. Hidden plan exclusions are something that uh, is going to be a, a big deal, especially going into 2017. The largest insurer pulled out of the marketplace here recently. And the plans that they did leave available for individuals are catastrophic and bronze plans only, leaving potential uh, gaps in coverage. And, Stuart, uh, we've got this, uh, this topic identified. I think this is really important for people to pay attention to, um, especially in particular women, uh, because there are certain gaps in women care, women's care, for example, right? Very true, very true. Uh, buried in the fine print of many of these health plan documents is language that allows them to refuse to cover a wide range of services. Uh, it's unclear to the extent of what these uh, coverage exclusions have prevented many people from getting the needed treatment. You know, and it, it, it varies across the board. So I put together just a few of them here. Uh, treatment for conditions that result from non-covered services. If you get an infection following cosmetic surgery, not covered. Maintenance therapy for a chronic disease. Uh, genetic testing, except as required by law fetal reduction surgery, uh, something which sometimes is recommended when a woman is carrying multiple fetuses, uh, treatment for self-inflicted conditions such as suicide attempt or eating disorder, and preventive services not required by law. So, you know, I guess what our message here to the folks on this topic, Sean, is, is to work with your doctor to get the needed treatment. Get their help in providing proof of the medical necessity of the treatment that you need. And I guess when we look at these exclusions, it's really important for doctors uh, and clinicians to help uh, patients define the treatment that's needed as medically necessary. That will cause it to be a covered expense under an insurance policy, whether that's individual or group. That's very important, particularly as you indicated, Sean, going into 2017. Would it be appropriate to bring up the issue of pre-authorizations uh, on this po- on this topic? Um, <clears throat> yeah, because I think that's that would be a, a, a helpful situation for folks. You know, you look at your policy and and you think you have coverage uh, for a particular item, uh, and <clears throat> most hospitals require pre-admission, uh, and the, the reason why they do that is not only pre-admission testing, but also. The, the folks in the administration there uh, predetermine whether your particular coverage will cover what you're coming into the hospital or treatment center for. So, yeah, I mean, that's when you discover the holes in what you have and whether or not you need to go back to the doctor to make sure that he or she will certify that what you're going in there for is medically necessary. Right. And, in fact, will be covered by the policy. Yes, and I've had to experience that myself personally, so I just wanted to, to bring that up. because, And I think uh, a lot of uh, 
people are going to, to see that, especially uh, with some of the carriers that are left in, in the marketplace that uh, really practice those 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 behaviors, I guess yeah. I could say. Um, other gaps in, in health insurance, Stuart, um, anything else to add on that point? No, not really. I mean, those, those are just the, the glaring things that we'll see. Every policy is going to have its own exclusion. Um, you know, you really have to read it carefully mm-hmm. in, in terms of what it will cover versus what it won't cover. And if you have areas that it won't cover, and if you have large out-of-pocket expenses, this is something uh, that you need to look into in terms of, of you know, uh, gap coverage, which is the next area I think that we should talk about, John. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are gap plans, which are separate policies, to cover deductibles. Gap plans are used to cover out-of-pocket expenses like high deductibles, uh, which are are becoming necessarily popular amongst consumers and also, uh, you know, businesses. With monthly premiums on health insurance going up, more people are choosing cheaper, high-deductible plans. Mm-hmm. In 2016, this year, more than 90% of the people buying insurance under either the ACA or through their employer uh, have chosen plans with an average deductible of $3,000 or higher. So next year, the cost of uh, popular plans available under the ACA uh, could increase across the country by more than 10% to 30%. So you really have to look at what you're being offered and seeing what the holes are, what the gaps are, uh, and see where you can plug those gaps with a program called GAP insurance coverage, which I know that uh, that your firm provides, John. Yes, that, that is a great point, and I think people need to be aware that uh, policies like that do exist, and for the right person, uh, they're a great strategy to utilize, and they're mm-hmm. they're pretty cost-effective, aren't they? Yes, they are. They're, yeah. they're relatively inexpensive, you know, relative to the underlying policy that they look to protect. Well, it's important because if somebody has an issue at the beginning of the year, and, and that's going to meet their deductible. They might have to come up with like six thousand dollars, and yep. a lot of people don't have that sitting around. That's true. So that's uh, that's important, uh, and that brings us to the next part of it. Uh, the the scary thing of uh, receiving health care to a lot of folks is uh, once you get the bill uh, from the hospital, we should talk about what's in them, and then we can also talk about the other thing that is uh, this is not a bill that a lot of people get as well. Yeah. I had personal experience with this uh, several years ago uh, in terms of <clears throat> wanting to make sure, uh, you know, what was in a hospital bill. Uh, you know, my wife uh, went in for, for some treatment, and uh, the, the hospital was quick to want me to assign my benefits. Well, I guess because I'm in the business, Sean, uh, I don't assign benefits so quickly, and I, I would suggest to the listeners that they also don't assign benefits quickly before they have a chance to take a look at these hospital bills that are that are being provided. You know, there are many errors in there, and there are things that, uh, that were being charged for that should not be charged for. In my particular case, I refused to assign my benefits, and, you know, I, I assigned a guarantee of payment, uh, which is a temporary stopgap, you know, guaranteeing the hospital they would get their payment once they released to me a bill. Mm-hmm. I looked through the bill. I spent the time and I looked through the bill and found uh, approximately $26,000 worth of things and items, not only for my wife, but for other patients that were tacked on to my wife's bill. And I caused the insurance company to do an audit. Once the audit was completed, then I assigned the benefits to the hospital they would pay the net proceeds of what they were entitled to. Wow. <laughs> kind of uh, interesting that uh, given the fact that hospitals are still having record profits, that stuff like that's happening. People really need to be vigilant about this stuff. Yeah, they really do. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, it's very difficult. It, the easy thing that most people do is just they sign the assignment of benefits to the hospital and they're done with it and they you know, don't want any part of it. But, you know, everything is a two-way street. If you're not vigilant up front, don't be surprised that with the rate increases for either your individual coverage is down the road, or if you're in a group coverage, your employer suddenly tells you next year that your percentage of what you have to pay is X, because a lot of these bills that were paid by the same carrier were paid by you know because of un, 
uh, unrestricted expenses that nobody caught. And as a result, you have to share the burden of those increased costs. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> what about surprise medical bills? That's uh, that's an interesting part of this topic today. Uh, and it's increasing problem across the country. What happens with narrow networks for both the health plans themselves, uh, as far as the doctors are concerned, uh, the, the hospitals are concerned, the networks that are used uh, for both of those uh, segments, uh, when, when they're provided with a hospital bill, they may use outside vendors that are not part of a network. And as a result of that, they're charged extra because those, those providers were not in the network uh, for their uh, PPO, their HMO, their, their POS, whatever plan that they had. And as, and as a result of that, you know, they're responsible for that. Hmm. And that's uh, something that really hits people if they're not aware of these things. Yeah, and it's a major problem across the country, Sean. A major, major problem today that folks need to be aware of. Do you think people are aware of um, how, how these networks are going to be narrowing over time and what that I, means for I them? I think over time, but as you pointed out so many times, you know, we are very concerned with the marketplace as it unfolds for 2017. The things we're talking about here is critical for the folks to be aware of. If they're in a plan which provides a narrow network for both providers and hospitals, they're going to be hit with this potential problem mm-hmm. of having people treat them in a hospital setting that are not part of their, of their narrow network, and they're going to be responsible uh, for those charges. And there's unfortunately no way around that, John. Uh, you can complain to the hospital, uh, try to negotiate your way out of these surprise medical bills, uh, indicating that you didn't authorize that. But for the most part, it's a losing battle. Wow. Um, I want to just take one step back. I got a, We got a comment on our Facebook page about uh, assigned benefits. Could you just explain that a little bit more? We had a listener text in about sure. that. What I mean by assigned benefits, you check into the hospital and they ask for your proof of insurance, whether you have one coverage or, or two coverages, and you are assigning those benefits to the hospital so that they get paid quickly. My suggestion as we started this segment, John, is don't sign that assignment of benefits. Sign a guarantee of payment and let the hospital administrator know, the folks that are taking that intake information, that you will guarantee payment once you have been provided, which you, are, you have a right to do under the Right to Information Act, the Federal Right to Information Act, to receive uh, a discharge bill. Once you receive that, you will then go ahead and assign the benefits to the hospital. I got you. So it's, it's just really a way for, for someone to see if they're getting charged for, for something that uh, they shouldn't be, which happens quite a bit. Let's um, move to another another. Um, a topic here, which is really important and not often talked about, unfortunately, uh, which is mental health costs, um, wh- where and how uh, how and uh, treatment options. I think, um, you know, a lot of people don't uh, address mental health as much as they should in the public policy arena, because I think it affects it's something that people don't want to talk about, yeah, quite frankly. Sure. Uh, but we're going to talk about it and, and let, let's because uh, it is uh, it is quite expensive and uh, there are should be and could be other better options out there for folks. Do you want to talk about this segment? Sure, sure. Yeah, let's okay. go into this okay. one and then um, we'll take a break after this. Okay. Several years ago, there was a bill called the Paul Wellstone Bill. Uh, Paul Wellstone, uh, senator out of Minnesota, passed a mental health bill. And it was a mental health parity bill, which meant that if you're in a group setting, mental health should be treated the same as any other illness. And, uh, you know, I I guess we hold these carriers their their feet to the fire in terms of actually providing that, particularly today. Mm -hmm. You look at the news and things that are happening, uh, you know, all over the United States, uh, you know, people shooting people, schools, community centers, movie movie theaters, uh, you know, malls, and a lot of it is attributable to mental health. So you're absolutely right. This is a very big issue across the country. Companies want their employees to seek mental health treatment, you know, when it's needed. 
Um, most companies are trying uh, mobile apps that help workers uh, easily find and receive treatment. Telemedicine is really delivering a, a large part of that, but we'll talk about telemedicine you know, later. Mm-hmm. Companies are waking up to the cause of untreated mental illness like depression, which is linked to $44 billion a year in lost work, uh, workplace productivity. Wow. It's affecting them as well as the individual and is starting to pay attention to this. Uh, industry data suggests that work is suffering from depression. Cost companies 27 lost work days a year. That's a lot of lost uh, lost time here, Sean. Mm-hmm. Well, you heard the term mental health day. I'm going to take a mental health day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, employee assistance program called EAPs typically offer workers free counseling sessions by phone, uh, anywhere from 2 to 5% of employees typically use their EAPs, uh, according to our, our industry statistics. And I would venture to, to suggest to the public that they look at their benefit plans to see if they have an EAP benefit uh, and where necessary to really use that. And, and vendors, if people are concerned about privacy, vendors report aggregate use from their employees. Uh, they don't. They don't show individual workers' use to employers. That's you know that's private uh, you know information and it has protected as you well know under HIPAA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. A- any other things on, on uh, this or treatment options, Stuart? Well, again, mental health uh, is available in the public sector. Uh, difficult to find, but it's out there, as well as in a hospital setting. Uh, and more and more benefit plans are trying to provide these kinds of service, uh, both in-network and, and at a network, in-hospital, at-a-hospital, you know, to the population. If you consider that 155 million people get their benefits from employers, this is where you'll find the widespread availability of mental health services mm-hmm. in, in a workplace setting. Right. Well, I couldn't believe that number, $44 billion, you said, in lost productivity. Yep. Uh, that That's just massive. It's and, huge. And, you know, and when you talk about wellness uh, for an employer, I, I always say with the people that I visit with, you've got to include the mental health component because if your people aren't aren't happy and, and feeling well, how can you expect them to, to be productive for you? Well, and again, the EAP uh, facility is very important. Uh, you'll find... Uh, many uh, many large employer plans have EAPs. Uh, if it's not part of their their uh, wellness component, it's a standalone benefit that the employer provides. And again, you have to have an outlet for people who are uh, sitting there at their desk. You know, they've got marital problems, they've got mental health problems, they've got financial problems, uh, just a myriad of other assortment uh, of problems that are not allowing to be. Uh, fully engaged at work, and it's all boils down to the mental health component here, Sean. Right, right. Well, great. Let's. Uh, that, that takes us to uh, our next time out here, Stuart. Uh, when we come back, we're going to uh, look at some really important topics. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about clinical trials and costs. Yep. Uh, for for example, and we'll try and uh, get through that telehealth and uh, the big thing of of concern with relation to healthcare costs are diagnostic tests. We'll touch on that as well next segment. More with Stuart Sloan, president of SIG Consulting. You're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge. If this is the first time you're listening, thanks for joining me. My name is Sean McGuire. Check out our blog, healthreformexplained.com, and that has all of our content from uh, the show and then my analysis if you would like to see that. We'll be right back. You've seen the movie Father of the Bride. When it comes to weddings, there's enough to worry about. Consider the Omaha Press Club as the venue for your baby's big day. With memberships as low as $15 per month, rentals are free for members. And we have an executive chef who will design the perfect menu for you. Click omahapressclub.com and our event coordinator and wedding planner will contact you for a zero-obligation consultation. That's omahapressclub.com. The Omaha Press Club, where you belong. 
Marketplace Nebraska is a full-service resource for anyone who needs help with their individual and business health insurance needs. If you got a tax bill from the IRS for not purchasing health insurance, let us help you. With more than 1,000 people helped into Obamacare so far, we can get you signed up fast and over the phone. Depending on your age and income, policies can be as low as $20 a month. Click MarketplaceNebraska.com to learn more and sign up today. You worked hard, scraped and saved for years, and thought you had everything figured out for retirement. Now you're looking at higher premiums, health care costs, and uncertainty with your doctor. Let E.D. Bellis help you solve this problem and find the right program for you. Go to edbellisinc.com and request a free consultation. At E.D. Bellis, we know health care. Are you feeling overwhelmed, depressed, or angry? Is your child or teenager acting out? Healing Tree Counseling wants to help. Located at 10th and Dodge, Healing Tree offers individual, family, and couples therapy. Bill and Laura are exceptional at working with children and adolescents. Ask around. They have a great reputation. Healing Tree accepts most insurance companies. They offer flexible payment plans and are confidential. Their personalized service and unique office sets them apart from larger agencies. Visit HealingTreeOmaha.com for more information. Stream News Talk 1290 live all day or catch up on Matt Tompkins' podcasts anytime at NewsTalk1290KOIL.com. Not only are we going to New Hampshire, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Hey, welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. Hope you're having a, a fantastic day. Got a great segment here lined up for you with Stuart Sloan and president of SIG Consulting. I'm Sean McGuire here, and we're going to be talking about clinical trials and costs to begin, Stuart. We reported last week uh, exclusively on the issue of drugs and drug costs, so uh, clinical trials has a role to play in the whole uh, pharmaceutical uh, industry. Let's uh, help listeners understand uh, what clinical trials might be, and uh, I don't know, maybe maybe they could... uh, decide if it's something that they might be even be interested in participating in, uh, and then looking at the costs of, uh, of creating uh, therapies and bringing them to market. Yeah, this is a very important topic, and <clears throat> as far as the prescription drug area, we're going to save the last segment today mm-hmm. for that because uh, it is so important to, to all of the listeners. Um, <clears throat> government listing of clinical trials doesn't disclose all the cost to patients. Sometimes patients, because of their illnesses, search for for new treatments, new therapies that may be available, uh, even on a trial basis. And when you search uh, for a clinical trial, uh, which potential you know treatments uh, on on human subjects, uh, you one of the the largest areas you go to is the government-run site, uh, which is clinicaltrials.gov. And it focuses on various types of therapies that may be available uh, on, on, on a trial basis. Um, it, but when you, you inquire, <clears throat> the screener asks for a long list of questions and then sometimes drops a bomb, which, uh, which is that the, the person has to pay for the associated costs. Uh, one example that I found this past week was uh, someone who, who went to this uh, this trial uh, at, at this government website, and a screener told them that their potential charge was fourteen thousand oh. dollars, which which surprises a lot of people. Uh, and so the screener further suggested that this person could raise the money, uh, as other callers had through family and friends in an online GoFundMe, which is another web website mm-hmm. uh, campaign. Most trials are free, and some even pay people to participate. The clinicaltrials.gov website, run by the National Institutes of Health, is the most comprehensive such database available to the public in the United States. It lists more than 210,000 clinical studies, 
but uh, you're exposed to some of these these little-known limitations. When you ask about any one in particular that you find, it doesn't not require the trial sponsors to disclose the charges to patients and does not even independently vet the listings. They just list the mm. trials that are available. Wow. So people could be in for a shock if they don't do the research and, and find out what it costs? Yeah, well, it's like anything else, Sean. You know, you have to ask the questions, you know, to get the right answers. Mm -hmm. Some ethicists and other experts uh, said that if trial sponsors require participants to pay, hmm. the government website ought to let people know this. Yeah, I agree. Great point that you identified. I think maybe we could look at that a uh, little bit deeper in, in the future and uh, spend a whole segment on that because that's important. But I want to keep us moving. Uh, for uh, We're going to go talk about telehealth and medical costs. Uh, we're going to probably just glance over it here. To, we'll go through it here quickly. But if you want more as a listener on the issue of telehealth, make sure to check out our seg segment that Stuart and I did a few weeks ago, Telehealth, What's in it for me on our SoundCloud page. But, uh, Stuart, you, you have uh, some thoughts on telehealth and medical costs, don't you? Yeah, I want to just hold on to that because that's really our next segment. Let's finish out here with uh, with dental, uh, dental, uh, you know, treatment and dental X-rays. Um, dental hygienes uh, sometimes tell you uh, you've undoubtedly heard while you're sitting there in the chair, "Would you like bite whiting X-rays? It's been a year since your last one. Your insurance will cover them annually." Mm -hmm. The easy answer isn't necessarily the right one. Uh, do I really need bite-wiring x-rays every single year? The American Dental Association says you don't. Uh, adults without apparent dental problems do not need dental x-rays of any kind every year. Adults who properly care for their teeth and have no symptoms of oral disease or cavities can go two or three years between bite-wiring x-rays, according to uh, to the Dental Association. So, you know... Uh, it's like anything else, you know, sell, 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 sell. Uh, the the purchaser or the patient in this case has got to ask the question, do I really need this? Do I really need to spend the money? Because in certain dental plans, there's coinsurance or co-pays. Is it really a necessity for my dental health uh, in terms of me spending the dollars this year, particularly when dollars are tight in some households, and particularly when you look at the rest of what you're spending, for healthcare, you know, it's a big number. The other thing I just want to, you know, comment on this uh, as far as out-of-pocket costs. Uh, what the ACA did, uh, and listeners need to know, is that you could not deduct more. You could not deduct your medical expenses unless they were greater than seven and a half percent of adjusted gross income. Mm -hmm. The ACA moved that now to ten percent. So as we're finishing this, Sean. You were talking about, you know, dental x-rays and dental health and other expenses. I guess you really have to question when you go for treatment of any kind, is this really medically necessary? Do I really need to spend this money? Will it really contribute to my health this year is an expense that I really need to incur? Fantastic. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, how do we want to handle the, these last two? Because we're going to have to take a time out here shortly, and I want to leave enough time for definitely number eight. Did yep. you want to um, get into these other ones or try and combine them into one last segment? Uh, no, let's let's get into a, a few of these others here so we can leave you know the last one for the last one. Okay, all right. So telehealth was, uh, was the next on our list. Uh, yeah. You have a lot to say about that, don't you? Oh, I sure do. Uh after years of big promises, telehealth is, is really living up to its potential. You know, driven by faster Internet connections, smartphones, changing insurance standards, more health providers are turning to electric, electronic communications. Uh, you know, uh, doctors and patients are talking to each other electronically. They're making split-second uh, decisions on heart attacks and strokes. Patients are using new devices to relay their blood pressure, heart rate, of the vital signs to their doctors so they can manage chronic conditions at home. Uh, it's, it's a greater use of this, both on a personal basis and also at the workplace. More employers are using some form of telehealth, you know, at the workplace today. Yes, it's a great, great benefit and something that uh, we highly recommend. Mm -hmm. 
Definitely. All right, last uh, topic here. Um, this segment is um, the big concern of diagnostic medical tests. You brought it up, some of it, with uh, dental x-rays. Um, any other uh, things that the listeners need to know about uh, the, these, these important tests? Yeah, in other words, besides tests, the 91% of the population is now covered by some form of health insurance. The next big debate in, in health policy is about the adequacy of coverage and the rising payments for deductibles and their impact on family budgets and access to care. Mm-hmm. This is not only about Obamacare, but also the many more people who get their insurance through their employer. Payment towards deductibles by consumers who have insurance through large employers rose 256% from 2004 to today, mm. the same period, while wages only increased 32%. So, yeah, out-of-pocket expenses, deductibles, co-insurance, co-payments, and all the rest, this and, and tests and whether you need to go and pay for, for tests is really an expense that you really need to incur. Yeah. Yeah, this is something that's, that, that is huge. Uh, we're up against a timeout. Uh, you got anything else to, to add on these, these topics, Stuart? Well, Not really. Let's, let's uh, take it. Uh, the, the last one is, is really important. Yes, the gorilla in healthcare spending. How does prescription drug costs affect all insurance? Something yeah. that uh, you're definitely not going to want to miss when we come back on America's Healthcare Challenge. For this segment and others, check out our SoundCloud page. Just type in America's Healthcare Challenge. should be pretty easy to find because there's over 600 segments just like this one on there. And we'll be right back. Are you feeling overwhelmed, depressed, or angry? Is your child or teenager acting out? Healing Tree Counseling wants to help. Located at 10th and Dodge, Healing Tree offers individual, family, and couples therapy. Bill and Laura are exceptional at working with children and adolescents. Ask around. They have a great reputation. Healing Tree accepts most insurance companies. They offer flexible payment plans and are confidential. Their personalized service and unique office sets them apart from larger agencies. Visit HealingTreeOmaha.com for more information. You worked hard, scraped and saved for years, and thought you had everything figured out for retirement. Now you're looking at higher premiums, health care costs, and uncertainty with your doctor. Let Ed Bellis help you solve this problem and find the right program for you. Go to edbellisinc.com and request a free consultation. At Ed Bellis, we know health care. Hiring employees, complying with regulatory changes, and so on makes it hard to focus on running your business. Let Simplify HR Solutions help. We're an outsourced human resource management organization with more than a century of Combined experience helping people just like you. Click SimplifyHRSolutions.com to learn more. Research shows moving is one of the most stressful events in a person's life. But thanks to two men in a truck, it doesn't have to be. They have everything you need to move. A courteous professional staff who will customize your move, which includes a no-obligation estimate, a schedule to fit your convenience, and all the necessary packing supplies. And two men in a truck will help you watch your budget, too. Don't stress. Let two men in a truck handle your home or business move. Go to twomeninatruck.com. Two men in a truck Selected Best of Omaha for nine years straight with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Hey, welcome back to the show. Great to have you here. Huge topic this segment, prescription drug costs affecting all insurance. Stuart, this is uh, today's gorilla in healthcare spending, isn't it? It sure is. It sure is. I mean, we... We uh we've we reported on it last week, but um how how do does does this rap this exploding uh, drug spend in, in our nation affect an average listener that has insurance? Well, interesting question, uh, you know, which which begs a myriad of answers. We as as an industry have watched the the drug, prescription drug industry grow from uh, from uh, two two tiers three tiers, four tiers, and now five tiers, all in an attempt to, uh, to spread out the cost of not only expensive drugs, but also the lower-tier drugs to attempt to make them affordable. Drug co-pays are 10 to $30 for two, uh, two-tier plans, 
10 to 35 to 55 dollars for three-tier plans, 10 to 35 to 60 to 100 dollars for four-tier plans, and these amounts are going to get higher and higher, particularly as we look into uh, you know 2017. Generic drugs in the lowest tier generally cost less than $10. So employees are paying all or most of the generic costs with the Tier 1 co-pays. Uh, the largest employers, you know, 1,000 uh, and more, are pushing up the, the three-tier co-pay average. And five-tier uh, plans are merging with 10 uh, to $100, you know, co-pays. And this is an important uh, trend baseline to watch, you know, as we, we uh, you know, march into the future here. Mm-hmm. The big concern here, Sean, you and I have spoken about it many times, is specialty drugs. Mm-hmm. It remains a concern. An employer share, of course, continues to rise. The reason, and it, it represents 17% of the total spend of, of, for, for specialty drug coverage. The reason for this is this is... These are, are high-costing drugs that are generally administered by physicians. So everyone who touches this along the way makes a profit. The drug company, uh, the, the uh, pharmacy benefit manager, the plan uh, manager, uh, and ultimately the, the patient. And this is why uh, you know, plans are so expensive as far as their specialty drugs are concerned. A lot of this has to do with the middlemen. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw, and, and we talked about this probably a week or two ago, we see things like uh, the high uh, cost for hepatitis C drugs, you know, $75,000 for a single course of treatment. I mean, that's outrageous today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so whose fault is, is it the wholesaler, the retailer, the doctor? Everybody is getting a piece of the price because, again, it's delivered by the physician. Yeah. And there's no incentive for people to want to change because there's a lot of profit being made, isn't there? That's true. Give me an example of a client that I'm, that I'm trying to help. Uh, she takes uh, Prolia twice a year in, in the form of shots. The, uh, the most recent expense I've seen for that, and I've checked it out within the last two days, is $482, uh, which is her cost for the copay. That's incredible. Hmm. I checked into the actual cost, uh, and it's less than $125. So who's making the markup, Sean? Somebody in the middle, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, we've got about uh, 30 seconds before our, our music hits. Stuart, anything else you'd like to add on this? I know that oh, uh, list, yes. uh, obviously there is, but the, the listeners can check out our, our, our show we did together on Medicare Part D prescription drug uh, issues, which uh, covers a lot of this as well. Okay. The, the elephant in the room is, and the question we should be asking ourselves, did we bring ourselves to this point by the passage of Medicare Part D in 2003 and also under the ACA allowing the, the drug companies not to be affected? That was the deal that prescription drug companies made with, with the Obama administration. And also under the uh, 2003 Act, which brought in Medicare Part D, not to not to uh, prevent them from charging what they want. In other in other words, to back up those two federal laws. Great. All right, Stuart. Thanks. Until next time, Sean McGuire here. Keep up the good fight. See you next week on America's Healthcare Challenge. <laughs>